the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, March the 27th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On March 27, 1977, aviation's worst disaster, 583 people were killed. A KLM Boeing 747 was attempting to take off in the fog. It crashed into a Pan Am 747 on an airport runway on the Canary Island of Tenerife. 583 people were killed, but not all of the passengers were killed. Several years later, I had a guest on my television program that I interviewed. He was on the Pan Am flight. He survived, of course. He wrote a little booklet about it. I think it was called Terror at Tenerife or something like that. It sold a lot of copies because it was the this event was world news. Everybody remembered it. It was the worst, still is, the worst aviation uh, disaster on record. But uh, he told how it was the chaos of it all, and of course the, the death and the dying and so on and so forth. But he told his personal story, and he said, I can't explain why me and not others, but he said, uh, sometimes I even feel guilty that I survived and others didn't. But he told of his story of how in that horrible, horrible time when these two giant airplanes collided, and uh, killed so many. He talked about how God just gave him a peace, and he climbed through wreckage and finally found a window where he could get out of the the airplane he was on and and um, found a way to get to the ground, which was 20 or 30 feet below, whatever. It was a, a compelling story, but the story was about the grace of God, how God gave him peace in time of great, great stress. And um, I think that's a message for all of us for all time. In the worst set of circumstances we can find ourselves in, God is there and God gives us peace. He's with us. Today in 1513, Spanish explorer uh, Ponce de Leon, he cited present-day Florida. He was uh, not looking for peace. He was looking for youth. He was looking for the fountain of youth. Today in 1794, Congress approved an act to provide a naval armament of six armed ships to represent the United States of America. Today in 1912, First Lady Helen Taft and the wife of Japan's ambassador to the U.S., they planted the first two of 3,000 cherry trees given to the U.S. It was a gift by the mayor of Tokyo. As you know, the, all of those cherry trees that bloom in the spring every year beautifully have been given to the U.S. as a gift from Japan. Today, in 1945, during World War II, uh, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, he told reporters in Paris that German defenses on the Western Front had been broken. Today, in 1964, Alaska was hit by a magnitude 9.2 earthquake the strongest on record in North America. Tsunamis and the earthquake claimed together, claimed about 130 lives. 
I remember that earthquake. We felt it in Seattle. I was in a classroom, as a matter of fact. It was something like I had never experienced, and most others had not as well. Thankfully, we've not had anything on the North American continent like that since. Today, 1975, construction began on the Trans-Alaska Pipeline, which was completed two years later. And today, in 2019, Facebook said it was extending its ban on hate speech to prohibit the promotion and support of white nationalism and white separatism. We don't want any distinct races, and we don't want distinct languages, and we don't want a culture that is defined by boundaries. And all of these people, so powerful people that own these and run these social media platforms, I mean, they have had an impact on the way people think in our country and in the world, for that matter. And they are, their path is one of so-called progressivism, and it's a pathway to destruction. I noticed also, among other things, I was just reviewing some of the things that happened today in history. Five years ago today, retired Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens, he wrote an essay, the New York Times published it, of course, and in the essay that he wrote five years ago today, former Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens, he called for the repeal of the Second Amendment. And of course, that was to allow uh, for significant gun control legislation, he said, It was really an effort to ban guns entirely. If they could repeal the Second Amendment, there is no part of our Constitution that couldn't be repealed, I can tell you. That would be step number two. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37, the Bible says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That's a few of the many, many scriptures in, um, in the Bible that encourage us and tell us, direct us, that God is in control and God is the source of everything. He is our source. In him, we can do great things. Outside of God, we may do great things, but they would be directed wrongly, and they would get negative results and destructive results. But in the Lord, as we walk with God in the truth of his word, we are led to do the things that God would have us to do. Progressivism often claims Christianity. Our president repeatedly declares himself to be a devout Catholic. The Catholic Church says, no, you're not, for the most part. But he claims to be a devout Catholic while he's leading this nation down a very, very treacherous and destructive path. I want to talk about some of those things that are happening today, not just directly related to the president but on a local level. But I found it interesting. President Joe Biden was in Canada this last few days. He was giving a speech, and he got mixed up on where he was 
and to whom he was talking. If it wasn't clear how President Joe Biden hails China, there's no question now about it in his recent slip-up. During a speech in Canada, Biden mistakenly praised China when he meant to say Canada when he was speaking about the country's immigration policy. The president stood up to the microphone and he said, quote, Today I applaud China for stepping up. Pause. Excuse me. I applaud Canada. The crowd laughed, nervously laughed. He said, you can tell what I'm thinking about China. I won't get into that yet. Many seized the moment to say, yeah, I'll bet he is thinking about China, considering the shady business dealings he and his family have in China. Americans shouldn't be surprised the Communist Party is probably always on his mind. I would agree with that. He has a very, very close tie to China through the back door. His family is harvesting millions of dollars through their connections and his influence as President of the United States. It is concerning. It should be concerning to all of us. Moments before his embarrassing gaffe, Biden never even mentioned China while he was talking about fentanyl. And now fentanyl is driving this surge of U.S. overdose deaths in our own country. These are not good times. Leadership is weak. We find it not only not only in Washington, D.C., but in Washington State. I want to talk specifically about that. It's national news. But before we do that, Mississippi. <laughs> Mississippi doesn't normally make national news, but it did over the weekend. It had some horrific tornadoes barrel through some of the towns and cities in Mississippi and, and elsewhere. But in this one this as a tornado was coming toward uh, Amory, Mississippi, the weather guy on the local weather news, he was giving the, the weather report and he said it's coming, it's it's fierce, it's gonna be bad, and it was. And he said while he was live on television he said, as this storm was nearing this small city of, of Amory, uh, Mississippi, this local weatherman said, let's pray for the people, well, live on television. He said, let's pray for the people in Amory. He bowed his head and he asked his audience, his TV audience, to join him in prayer. And he said, dear Jesus, we ask that you please help them that are in the path of this storm and so on. And pray to prayer. He didn't get fired, as far as I know. I kind of checked into him this morning to be sure he didn't get fired. I didn't read anywhere that he did. But he was praying on the air, live. That's the differences we see in America today. Can you imagine that in some of the West Coast states? No, you can't because it doesn't happen. This man was praying. He said, Lord, he said, there is a strong, life-threatening tornado that's going to move either extremely close to Amory or in another northern part of the city. We ask that you protect us and so on. Such, such a divide in America. There's two different Americas today. It's because of the profound differences in beliefs 
that we hold in America. It's not political. It's not Republican versus Democrat. That used to be. That was a time when everybody wanted the best for America. They just had different paths or different uh, ways to achieve that. I remember that in my lifetime. When, when the discussion, when the political discussion was how best to make America the greatest and continue to make it the greatest nation in the history of the world. How is the best way to serve the people of America? The Democrats and Republicans, they went at each other. They disagreed. But it wasn't fundamentally different on two different paths going in opposite directions. But now we have a tale of two cities. These are the best of times. These are the worst of times. And we see that manifest in the president himself standing up, trying to give a speech in Canada. And he's talking about China. He's got China on his mind. He's got China on his mind because he's enriching himself and his family. I know some of you don't like to hear this. I understand that because you support the man. But you should not support him because of what he's doing to America. It's not political. This is not a political statement. It's a spiritual statement, and I am profoundly concerned, not because he's a Democrat, but because he's a so-called progressive claiming to be a devout Christian, taking America to the edge, to the cliff of destruction. And we see that reflected and echoed in some of our local governments. On Friday, I mentioned in passing, because I didn't have a lot of time, Senate Bill 5274 in Washington State. I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. You should be aware of that, particularly those of you who live in Washington State that are listening to this program, and there are many of you. But wherever you live, you should be aware that the left is always trying to push what they call progressive ideology or progressive ideas, and progressive ideas are always ultimately destructive. I have never read of a progressive idea or a progressive policy that led to anything other than disaster, chaos, death. Police1.com is a, um, it's a news service, and it has to do with the police all nationally around the country. They, they announced on Friday, they said a bill passed by Washington State Senate earlier this month would remove the requirement that applicants for city firefighter, police, and sheriff's office jobs be able to read and write in English. Senate Bill 5274 says the bill builds off legislation in 2018 to ensure lawful permanent residents have eligibility for civil service and enhances inclusiveness for those applicants. With some adjustments in language, this bill can promote diversification of Washington's public service by encouraging and highlighting bilingualism and multilingualism. On the surface, one might say, well, I, yeah, I guess there's people that speak Spanish and they're here and they're looking for a better life and they don't know how to speak English and blah, blah, blah. But boy, I'll tell you, the measure would also remove the language requirement for fish and wildlife officer positions, which is less concerning, but nonetheless important. But this is ultimately disastrous. The bill has passed the Senate in Washington state. SB, Senate Bill 5274. 
It's passed the Senate. It's now before the House this week. And they're taking a look at this. The bill's sponsor, State Senator uh, Javier Valdez, he says the legislation would increase the pool of candidates available and help diversify the state's workforce. If an applicant is capable and qualified to do the job, we must remove the barriers that prevent them from working as a public servant, Valdez says. He said Washington is a diverse, multicultural state and our workforce should reflect that. Should that be the goal or should that be a byproduct? Removing barriers? The latest left-wing equity push neither makes sense nor serves the public. Seattle radio host Jason Rantz, he took off on this on Friday and Thursday as well. He was talking about, he said he he argued that speaking English is a necessary requirement to perform even the most basic tasks associated with the jobs. He argued the bill would hinder public safety. Well, I would say so. The latest left-wing equity push neither makes sense nor does it serve the public. Democrats pretend that you don't need to understand the English language if it's a necessary requirement for these positions. That's not only culturally wrong, it's biblically wrong. We've done studies on this program, and I've talked about it at length, about how God created language. And when man was coming together in a global sense, God confused the languages. In Genesis chapter 11, God is a God that has set up boundaries and culture and language. So while multiculturalism and multilingual might be a good thing in some cases, the plan, God's plan, is that nations have languages and they speak those languages because it contributes to the health of a nation. God is not a globalist. God is a nationalist in the sense of sovereign nations. It's very, very clear in the Bible and in the New Testament, the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. So this latest push is that you don't need language. It's okay to create a kind of a, a, an air, an aura of confusion. And that's exactly what they're trying to do in, in Olympia. It's, it's, the, the practical problems for this is, is it's overwhelming. It's astounding. It's unending. If they can't read English as a police officer, how will they be able to understand written policies or read information from the mobile data computer inside their police? They won't even need a computer. Or will there be two parallel governments, one providing them the, the public service and so on, one providing it to them in one language and another office providing to other guys in English and or, or women? I mean, it, it is mind-boggling that people that have been elected to be public servants and rep, represent ordinary people like you and me, how can they get to this point? They're calling it a transparent attempt. It's a transparent attempt to socially engineered diversity. That's what it is. And that's what most of the left's policies lead to. They're always trying to remake, as Barack Obama said so often, remake America. He used that phrase again and again. 
He wanted to remake America. Somebody needed to stand up to him, and maybe they did, but not effectively, and say, why do we want to remake the greatest nation of all time? Of course, we're not perfect. Man is fallen. We're sinful. We need a savior, but we're not perfect. But America is the greatest nation that was ever founded on this planet. The most prosperous, the, the most free it has been in history. God has blessed America because we stayed with principles that are found in God's word. Principles that are related to how God thinks about nations and borders and cultures. Anyway, this is before the folks in Olympia, the Senate, or the House. He said it, uh, Rance was talking about it, and he said it, it puts our safety at risk. These are public safety jobs. One misunderstood policy or incorrectly completed form can harm people and lead to a criminal's release. Is that inevitability truly worth this ridiculous attempt at forced diversity? And, and again, that's what it is. Senate Bill 5274 is scheduled for the executive session in the House Committee on Community Safety, Justice, and Reentry this week. I would encourage you, if you live in Washington State, I would encourage you to call your senator, your state senator, not Patty Murray, and call the state, your state senator, and tell them you strongly oppose Senate Bill 5274. The Democrats, of course, have the majority, but I would do it. I would do it. I've seen bilingualism and multilingualism at work. I've been among that. As some of you know, listen to this program, and in fact, a number of you listen to the program that I know have been involved with me or aware of some of the things we were doing in the past. And for a number of years, I was involved in missionary work. It was a period of time in my life that God just profoundly spoke to my heart, and I did that. I was away from my family more than I wanted it to be. But I found myself in some of the darkest corners of the earth. But during that period of time, and in some of the large cities as well, but during that time, we were able to start 149 churches in various countries around around the globe. And we handed them off to the locals. And some of them grew to be have thousands and thousands and thousands of people attending them. Some of them had 100 people. They were in a small village on a steep hillside in Central America, Latin America, in Africa, and elsewhere. I remember in Guatemala, we built about 20 churches there. And by built, I mean, I would get a crew together from the U.S. here. And uh, some of them were skilled carpenters. And they would take time off from their work, or they'd take vacation time. They'd pay their own uh, fare. And we would go to these faraway places and they would actually build a church. We had prearranged. I would, my office, and I would take care of that. We'd prearrange. We'd buy the lumber and stuff that they were going to need when they got there. I would go with them often, not on all of them, but many of them. And I would go with them, and I would preach out, you know, sometimes in the jungle. I've had people throwing coconuts at me while I was preaching in a village. And uh, the police were sleeping. Uh, you know, it was amazing. But Nonetheless, we would create, you know, help create a church with the locals and then hand it off to them. And 
I, over the years, have had contact. Some of them have stayed in contact from time to time with me in the South Pacific and Samoa and Samoa and elsewhere in Africa and elsewhere. Anyway, we spent about, I don't know, quite a bit of time in Guatemala, and we built about, as I said, around 20 churches. I can't remember the exact number, but it was about 20. During that time, I got to know quite a few people in Guatemala, but one thing that I noticed there, and it was confirmed to me by one of the presidents of Guatemala later, but I noticed that the people had a hard time communicating. Uh, they just couldn't communicate, and I learned over time from being there that when I had a translator with me, the translator could translate my English to the local language in some of the some of the villages, and then some of them he, he couldn't. And I learned through that period of time just how diverse Guatemala was, and there are other countries like that as well in Africa and elsewhere. But the country still, Guatemala to this day, has 25 languages. It has 22 additional Mayan languages, and it has two other indigenous languages. The president of the country told me later, Rios Montt, who was a dictator, a brutal dictator, who met Jesus Christ as his savior at a little Baptist church in in, um, Guatemala. His pastor verified that he had accepted Christ, his life had been changed, but he was well known as a dictator. He was brutal. He had people killed. It was awful. But the power of Christ converted and changed his life. He told me when we were together once here in, in in the U.S., he told me that the biggest problem that Guatemala had was that there were about 80 different dialects among those 25 languages and 22 Mayan languages. Then there were dialects on top of that, and he said it's a country that can't communicate with itself. And that's what is that's where we're going with this Senate bill, 5274. And so that's why I think it's important that we speak up now and be heard about it. The state senator, Valdez, he has joined by 10 other Democrats to sponsor the bill. He's trying to recreate Washington State in the image of a third world country. That's what he's doing. And it's not in his best interest for his own family, I don't think. But it certainly isn't in the best interest for everybody else. Does he seek to remake America as Barack Obama was trying to talk about all the time? Or is he, his court, simply trying to cancel the idea of merit-based culture? I think it's the canceling merit-based culture because that's a fundamental doctrine of progressivism, of the left. They don't want people to advance and to be rewarded for merit. They want a socialistic idea of kind of a pool of people, no matter how talented you may be or not, no matter how hard you may work or not at all, everybody gets the same. And that's what, this is where this is going. Victor Davis Hanson wrote an article about Americans die when merit no longer matters. I included that in an article that I wrote today at faithandfreedom.us, and you should read the article. He's talking about how we've moved from a merit based society, capitalism, among other IDs, ideologies that are related, how we've moved from that to more of a socialistic approach, that everybody is a winner, nobody loses, we shouldn't have to compete, and so on. It's a very, very good article. It's outstanding. But he makes the case that as we move away from merit-based living,
people die. And that's exactly what's happening with this bill and will happen with this bill. Thanks for being with me today. Always a privilege. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.